podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode two of our 2023-2024 season previews for each of the four Irish provinces. Tonight we move on to Ulster, Dan McFarland's men. Coming into this season under some pressure, it should be said. Um, they'll be expected to challenge for trophies after kind of bombing out of of both Europe and the URC last year with, with underwhelming um, de- defeats, I'm going to say victories, defeats to Leinster and to Connacht. And with a, some question marks, I think it's fair to say, on, on the coaching ticket at large, have they got what it takes? Have they brought them as far as they can? Is their style of play more of a hindrance rather than playing to their strengths? These are the things that have been asked, not just by fans, but by people like me trying to stay as a neutral observer. As we did last last night with Leinster, we're going to look at we're going to look at you know any ins and outs in terms of signings. I'm going to briefly touch upon last season or URC and their European fortunes and we will start like last night with their I suppose last year and I think last year was pretty disappointing for Ulster the the term that comes to mind for Ulster last year is a bit of a flat track bully they were very good not always but usually very good against teams that you'd expect them to beat but against teams they should have been putting up better performances against, like the knockout games against Leinster and against Connacht, they didn't. And that's very disappointing. Like There's a lot of talent in that Ulster squad. You know They're going to be getting in a player of the calibre of Stephen Kitsoff this year. Obviously very, very talented, it goes without saying, and very reliable prop to be bringing in. This Ulster side, like the fact that they played two knockout games last year, they lost both of them, didn't lay a finger on Leinster in the first one, they lost Connacht at home, just not good enough really. And they, they went through a run, you know, around the middle of the season, they lost to Benetton, lost to Munster, lost to Sale, to La Rochelle, obviously went then and, and beat Sale, and their only European win that got them into the into the last 16, which is an an issue in and of itself, you could say. Yeah, that's where the kind of last season, kind of that that's where the the bigger picture falls. But also, tactically, they they started to to show a lot more holes in defence with Jared Payne departing. Their attack looked blunt at times. Jacob Stockdale and Robert Balakun, I've used this word before, they look like passengers in that Ulster team. They want them there to score tries with an overlap in the corner or to make yards down the line or to win contestables, win Gary Owens down the touchline. They weren't asked to come in field. They weren't asked to roam, to, to be playmakers. And that's a huge question mark coming to for, for Ulster this season because, listen, you've got incredible individual athletes in the back line. You think of, like, even McCluskey, Hume in the centres, Stockdale, Balakoon, um, even an Aaron Sexton, Moore, Addison, Lowry in the back, at fullback position. They have options. They absolutely have options there. 
the question is, will they use them? That's not a question you want to be asking of a coaching staff. And then moving into this year, then, like obviously Stephen Kitsoff is is the marquee signing. He were, he comes in at loosehead prop. Dwayne Vermeulen did depart last year, but they've brought in um, Dave Ewers from Exeter Chiefs. So he's going to be not a like for like replacement, but a replacement of sorts. And yeah, this is where kind of the asking questions of Ulster's squad comes in because are they signing wisely? Stephen Kitsoff, I think, is a signing that will bolster any team. But I don't know if Lucid was an issue position because I think with someone like Andy Warwick, he'll just lock out a scrum. And that's fine when you've got someone like Tom Shure, or not Tom Shure, Tom O'Toole on the other side, who can do more of the the dynamic stuff, you know, the ball carrying, the tackling, a little bit more of that. Um, Hooker is probably their position of great strength. Like back row again, if they lost Vermeulen, they lost Jordy Murphy, they might have lost someone else who I'm forgetting, but like the two Ray brothers, Greg Jones, David McCann, Dave Ewers, Nick Timoney, Sean Raffle. Like, I don't know if that's a back row capable of going any further than what Ulster did last year. Timoney is one who gets a lot of plaudits from a lot of people. I'm not really one of them. Um, I think he does exemplify the theory about Ulster being fat track bullies because when Ulster come up against better teams and better back rows, that's when he's at his least effective. Those Leinster and Connacht games double down at that point. Now that might be me um, doubling down off of a small sample size. I'd understand that if that if that was the case, how how it could be seen that way, but. I just look at this Ulster team and feel like there's some the sum of their parts is better than where they are, but at the same time, they're probably maximizing it in other ways. Do you know, should Ulster be you know, should they be better than what was it, third in the table last year? Or no, they couldn't have been. Yeah, it was third in the table or second or whatever. They probably should. To degree, like to as just by a small bit, um, they should probably be a small bit better. At the same time, if they were a semi finalist and lost, you'd probably judge them as well. That's kind of where they are. That's the seed they need to break through. But they didn't do that. You see, that's the frustrating part. Two years in a not two years in a row the URC, but two years in a row in Europe. They've played very good teams. One year they ran the close, next year they didn't. They ran the Stormers close in the semi-final this time around, or last last time around. Then they didn't really put up a great fight at home to Connacht. And these are, you don't want to make excuses for a team, but that's just below the standards they'll set. Like, I mentioned, you know, ins and outs and, and all that. Like, Ian Madigan has left Ulster. Their, their squad looks thin in some positions. Now, Maybe I'm just not up to scratch. Maybe there's better players waiting in the rings. But, you know, Herring, John Andrew, Tom Stewart, three very good hookers behind that. I'm not really 100% sure what's there. You know, like they've got a lot of backs. They've only got two recognized tens in Burns and Flannery. And then probably whatever academy option they have. Do they see Nathan Doak as a 10? I don't see it personally. Some people do. 
That's fair enough. I don't. I think he's a, he's a good nine. I don't think he's a great nine. I don't think he's an international nine. Not yet. At least. But that's more got to do with Ulster's game plan. And I think that's where we'll talk about for a few minutes because Ulster's game plan has been something I've talked about a lot. I think they play as a team who's going to bully you and outpower you and outmuscle you and outfight you a lot. Then you look at the players that they have. And you look at the you look at the forwards, right? And you look at their backs. And probably the biggest zing that I gave them all last year was watching the match with two friends of mine, the Connacht game, and I said, I don't know how many other coaching tickets would have this backline that Ulster have and play the style that they do. Even look at Munster. Like you could make a case that Ulster's backline is more exciting than what Munster have. But Munster play an on-ball brand. Ulster play a lot more of an off-ball brand. And when they do have the ball, it's relying on guys like Timoney, O'Toole, Herring, Henderson, Treadwell. I'm just not convinced that they're they're doing what's right. Maybe that's going to change, especially with a 4G pitcher coming in. Maybe it is going to change. And if it is great, then expect some growing pains. Leinster are... I need to stop saying Leinster. Ulster started the season with two wins. Two unconvincing wins. The win over the Bulls is huge because the Bulls, I feel like, are going to be there thereabouts this season even more than last year. That is huge. And they played some nice rugby in that game. The win over Zebra was just... They did not deserve to win that. They got out of jail so badly. And they looked like a team didn't want to be there, didn't want to defend. Defense is about heart. A lot of the, well, that's about systems as well, but it is about heart as well. You've you got to want to defend more than attack. Everyone wants to attack. you want got to want to defend. It didn't look like they had that want. There's been reports or rumors or mumblings about a slightly unhappy camp for the best part of a calendar year now, at least nine, ten months and where that lies in terms of management, you know, the coaching staff. And that Zebra game made you think that. But as I said last night, I don't want to touch too much on those games because of the fact that, to put it kind of plain and simply, I just find it to be, how do I put it? I don't want it to seem like I'm making up my mind based on two games at the start of the season without the internationals and um, with the World Cup still on. You know, round one was the weekend of the semifinals of the World Cup. Like, it's probably not a great judging point. I think we can judge Ulster a bit more in the Bulls game, which was the Bulls were poor, Ulster were better, and Ulster got the job done. Those three things will do because you look at Ulster's first couple of games, next. Uh, two games in particular their next two games are crucial you know they're away to Connacht to the sports ground right now you have to tip Connacht in that one they're playing really nice rugby we'll talk about that later in the week and they've got Munster at home who they typically beat on home soil um, more often than not but you know I think they'll have to show a better performance against Connacht before we'd be definitely predicting them to beat Munster yeah, especially if that's kind of when we're going to start seeing internationals back with that week. Then there's Lions at home, Glasgow at home. Glasgow will give them a good run for their money, but I think they'll beat Glasgow at home and then they've Edinburgh. Then it's into Europe. 
Edinburgh also at home. The three straight home games there. Ulster, sorry, they have four home games in a row. Um, and five in their first seven games, which means their back end of the season is going to be torture because they'll have, and I'm just going from Six Nations time, away to the Ospreys, the Sharks, the Stormers, um, the Scarlets, and to Munster, which is not very nice. Even having the Ospreys and Scarlets away are probably the two harder of the Welsh teams to play away from home. They play Leinster away as well at, during the Christmas period. So, yeah, what? where do Ulster stand? I think Ulster... I think Ulster need to improve tactically or they won't go anywhere. I genuinely believe that. I think it's ridiculous that they're they're committed to that game plan. But if we do see an evolution, we do see maybe, you know, I don't think their centres can really do much more than what they have done in recent years, which has been the focal point of their attack. But they, if we start seeing Jacob Stockdale coming off his wing, we start seeing Robert Ballard coming off his wing, we start seeing these guys as playmakers, the point that I make about Jacob in particular is, and I'll move on to, to Balakin in a minute, Jacob is so strong, upper body. He's a physical presence on the wing. That's why running down the tram line kind of makes sense because he can just run over you. Then you're getting go forward ball. But I would love to see him on a swing play if he's behind, say, Billy Burns. He's getting that ball and he has options. And you've got a centre there and he's thinking, well, stop to take me the inside or on the outside. You can just skip pass or you can just go straight over you. That's what he can do. Had a good game against the Bulls tonight. Um, scored a really good try. Um, according to this, just a few hours after the Bulls game. Scored a really nice try and had a couple of nice moments, good carries as well. We're starting to see Jacob come back to form, hopefully. Was one of the better players against Zebra as well. But again... I want to see him doing more and it's not on him. Really don't believe it's on him. I don't think a player like that is going to want to get his hands on the ball as little as he did at times last year. And Balakin's the same. Like if you have a 12 with the handling and the reading of the game and attack as Stuart McCluskey and you never see Robert Balakin on his shoulders, then what's, what's the point? Like I feel like other teams would, would scheme it open for guys like Balakun to be cutting defences apart like he did in his first touch for Ireland against against America. They just carved them open and, and in he went from 60-odd yards or whatever it was because he's electric. Ulster squad, as we touched on, I do think the pack is, is a level below. I think, you know, kits off, top quality. Herring or Stewart, top quality. O'Toole, good. Not European contender good, um, which is probably something we'll probably talk about with Munster, but he's a decent player. I think that's I think that's fair to say. Then Alan O'Connor, Ian Henderson, Kieran Treadwell. Personally, I like Henderson and Treadwell as a combination. Some people don't. Some people think they need O'Connor for lineouts. I think Henderson's more than good enough at that. Again, that's where I start to have reservations and then you go into the back row. Euros will start, Timothy will start and then one other will start, be it a Ray brother or a Raffle or a McCann. I think McCann is probably the front runner there. I just think it's good. 
But that's the pack that I don't want to be playing a forwards game with. Do you know? Maybe that's maybe that's too harsh. Cooney and Doak, decent players. Billy Burns, Jake Flannery. I mean, this they don't have an elite European ten, that's for sure. But they play off nine, so that's okay for them. McCluskey and Hume, brilliant centre pairing. We want to see them getting back to the form they were in two years ago. Stockdale Balakoon is we touched on. Fullback is a big one. Will Addison has come back. Has looked rusty. You'd expect him to look rusty though. Like I'm, I'm not going to slate him for that. Stuart Moore for me, in my opinion, is Ulster's best 15. He's probably the best person for Ulster's number 23 shirt as well because he can play centre and fullback. Big fan of him. And Mike Lowry, who was really good two seasons ago, not as good last year. Um, I, I feel like for some of these Ulster players, because they were so good two years ago, attacking-wise, they kind of got found out a bit. And then this is the year where you go back to the drawing board and you have something else. And hopefully Lowry, Balakun, Hume, um, guys like that have that this year. Um, there's there's no no reason to suggest they don't either, which is important. I'll, I'll come back to URC because for Europe, for Ulster, I mean, they have a really tough pool. They've got Bath away. Going to the wreck is always difficult. They've got Rasking 92 at home. Oh, that'll be... How many weeks into the Lancaster rain? You'd be well capable for taking them there. They have Toulouse at home, which is going to be very formidable. And then Quinn's away. I think they have the worst possible run of fixtures. Like, you know, like they have the two English sides away and the two French sides at home. Because it's at home against Racing, you'd expect them to win. But we don't know where Racing are. I, I think Ulster are a better team than Racing, but you know, got to give them their some respect as well. Getting the two English sides away, and in some ways maybe that's better actually. The the you can kind of think of it both ways because they're the games you're going to have to win anyway. So maybe that's maybe that's better. Um, how do I see Ulster doing in Europe? I think looking at their squad, looking at their run of games. I think quarterfinals, semifinals is the aim. I think semifinals is kind of the very best. Quarterfinals is kind of not the minimum, but that's the proper aim for them to get to. Like they'll do well to get three wins. They do well to get four wins would be fantastic and set them up. They should really get in the semifinal if they get to four wins, depending on how the convoluted round of 16 goes. But if they get three wins, quarterfinals very, very achievable. Into the league then, I think, I mean, I've done a few predictions. Ulster are probably the team I'm most down about, but I still think they'll probably come fifth if they're thereabouts. I think they've they've slid and I think they're behind Munster. I think the Stormers are probably better. I think the Bulls will kick on this year at Leinster. I think that's where they are. Um, are they a better team than maybe the Sharks? I think they are especially given the Sharks' hit-and-miss fortune in um, in in Northern Hemisphere rugby. You know, play kind of Southern Hemisphere style, hasn't really equated. For Ulster, like, they really, really need to make a URC semi-final this year. Like, if they come fifth, right, and they have a trip to South Africa, I won't be as harsh on them. If they lose that, for instance, I'm just giving that as an example. They could be against Munster 
in the in the quarterfinal, or it could be at home. They could come second again or first. Like I don't know, but if my predictions prove correct, which they don't always do, definitely don't come into the bookie after listening to me. Ulster to come fifth, maybe the Bulls fourth is kind of what I'm thinking at the moment. Anyway, um, then if they don't win that, I, I wouldn't be too upset. But I think Ulster probably do need to get top four and get that quarterfinal at home. There's the revenue factor, of course, because Johnny Petrie was out talking about revenue there last week or the week before. Um. There's also the fact that you want to right some wrongs and the young squad will want to right wrongs. Spoke about this with Leinster and probably touch on it with, with Connacht. Maybe not so much, actually. But they'll they'll want to. They'll want to be doing better. They'll want to step up to the plate and, and to break down that barrier. I promise I'll keep these short and sweet. So just, I, I want, I put down player to watch as James Hume because had a very good season two years ago. Kind of regressed last year. And I think some of that was both sides of the ball. I think defensively he didn't look as good. But then you're losing Jared Payne as a coach. Jared Payne was a fantastic defensive 13. That's obviously going to be a hindrance on, on a young outside centre and his development. So for me, I've Ulster finishing fifth and only make the quarterfinals. They're better than that. They are a finalist team. They're, that's how good they can be, especially in a league where realistically there's only about seven or eight teams that are going to compete anyway. But I just worry about Ulster slipping up in games they shouldn't slip up in again because if you're going to be a flat track bully, you better start beating teams who are worse than um, like the Lions at home. They'll win that. I think Ulster will be, I think they'll be in flying form come the turn of the year. But then, you know, I look, I look at their fixtures, right? And I just don't see where the losses are going to come until Sharks away, Stormers away. They do well to win either of those games. And that's, you know, after the Six Nations. But at the same time, we've seen it last year. Sometimes it's games you don't expect that really damage your confidence. For them, it was Benetton and Sale um, that that hurt them, that really stung. And scraping past Connacht's a game they should have lost. I think they played like a team who should have lost then. In respective weeks. You don't know where these, you know, stags in the road are gonna come. Definitely we can we can make a lot of assumptions about Ulster's um season ahead after they play Connacht away and Ulster at home. They get two wins there, I think. We have to start saying that it's not pretty, but they're getting the job done. And they should then if I think if they come through those four games especially Bulls at home, Connacht away, Munster at home. You know, they, they should really be pushed for top four then, you know, because it's it's about that momentum of things. I'm going to say Ulster fifths. I'm going to say losing quarterfinals. I'm going to stick to my guns here, even though a lot of the time I make these predictions before reading the fixture list, because I just get a sense that all is not right. And that's something I can't shake. And it's some of it is is mumblings that you hear, and there is no smoke without fire at times. I just can't shake that sense. So it, this might be the most downbeat I'll be for any of these. But I'm going to say Ulster to not kick on this year. And yeah, 
not not great. Um, I won't lie. It's not it's not the most fun of the predictions. I'll be back again. We have Connacht and Munster to come. Of course, as I said last night, there's also a heap of World Cup coverage finished. If you want to take a look at that, including the tournament recap that we did and much more to come across the season. The Red Army podcast also back this week to look at Munster's draw with Benetton. But for now, thanks for joining me. Until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.